We left off talking about Aaron and her. Do you remember them? What were we talking about? We're talking about serving God. I got to run the room serving God. So I believe part of serving God is coming to church on Sunday morning. I believe part of serving God is tithing and giving. I believe part of serving God is worshiping God. I believe that's part of being a Christian. And I believe uh, you all are doing that. And yet that is the beginning of serving God. We looked at um, that, G- that the Lord is the potter and you're the clay. Everybody say, I'm clay. clay. Who's the potter? And so the Lord, so the clay pot doesn't say to the potter, why did you make me this way? Now, a lot of times people have misconstrued that, especially today. They say, well, I am this way because the Lord made me this way. Well, the Lord never made anyone to sin. You did not get born again to sin again. So before the new birth, you were a sinner. But after you got born again, after you got born again, Ephesians 2.10 says he's prearranged or predestined for you to do good works. You don't get born again by good works, but after you get born again, you are supposed to do some good works. Amen. Amen. How? By grace through faith, just like you got saved. And then Paul said, I am who I am by the grace of God. Again, that's being misconstrued today so people can live any old way they want. It's just grace. Jesus paid for it. I can do what I want when I want. No, the Bible said in Jude that grace is not for lasciviousness. This grace is serving grace, and you are who you are. Meaning when you're in your mother's womb, before you did anything right or wrong, God determined who you were going to be. He decided if you were going to be uh, 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 in business. He decided if you were going to be in the ministry. He He decided some things, what you were going to do in the body of Christ. Everyone in this room has something to do for God. Well, that's what the ministry is for. Well, you're in the ministry. Well, number one, you're a minister of reconciliation. And you've been given a word of reconciliation. No one in the body of Christ gets out of doing anything. There are no body parts who do nothing. Everyone, everyone, now listen, here at Cornerstone, we'll tell you the whole truth, none but the truth, hopefully. I have no opinion. But the truth of the matter is the body needs to get back to doing what the word of God says. And part of it is serving him. So we're supposed, how will the world know that we're his? Yes, we have a witness on the inside of us, but how are they going to know? Because we love one another. And if you love somebody, you'd serve them. Jesus left his example when he washed the disciples' feet. He said, I, you call me Lord and Master, and it's true. But I'm doing this as an example. And he said, washing one another's feet, which was the dirtiest job meant for the lowest person in the household, Jesus said, do it. Remember, Peter said, you're not going to wash me. Because he thought it was beneath Jesus to do it. But Jesus said, I'm the example here, and you got to wash one another's feet. Peter said, wash my head. Wash my, no, he said, no, I'm just doing this. So, so, so listen to me. That's our example. You were made by, in the likeness and the image of God, and Jesus came as a servant. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. And sometimes in the body of Christ, we teach it around here, and it's important, you know, that you serve. But I think somehow it's gotten a little askew, it's gotten a little bit off, where the only people that get served is the ones up here. And that's not right. People ask me all the time, what can I do for you? Well, what you can do for me is serve one another. No, I want to do something personally for you. If you want to serve me, serve one another. I don't need somebody coming out of the back room carrying my Bible. I got two hands. 
Unless my hands are full, then I'll call JC. Are you with me? Let's get back to it. How will the world know? Because we love one another. Especially when they come to a church like ours. Multicultural, multi-generational, where the older folks are serving some of the younger folks. The younger folks, 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 folks are serving one another. Everybody's serving one another. Everybody's loving on one another. What does that do to someone who's lost or backslidden? They'll be like, what's going on up in here? Because you cannot deny love. My spiritual father say everybody doesn't understand tongues. Everybody doesn't understand faith. Everybody understands love. And you can see the fake stuff and you know the real stuff. Amen. You're the potter. He's the potter. You're the clay. You're not the potter. Don't try to be the potter of your life. And the clay doesn't say to the potter, why'd you make me this way? I am who I am by the grace of God. And so we looked at servant and different things and body part. You know, you're part of the body and every joint supplies. But we were leaving off with, why is it so important that we help? Even in miracles. Y'all want to see miracles? You believe God's a miracle working God? You believe he's still doing miracles? What's a miracle? It's an extraordinary outworking of the power of God to change a situation that can't be changed naturally. I want to see miracles. Do you want to see miracles? How many know God is the only one who can do a miracle? Right? But the deal is, throughout the word of God, he shows us how he does, does miracles, and it really does include people. There's some miracles he did in Jesus' ministry. You remember, uh, Jesus was preaching and teaching, and uh, the people were all there. There was lots of them. There was a multitude of them, and it was time to eat. Jesus was mindful when it was time to eat. Thank the Lord. And then he said to them, what, what, let's feed them. You feed them. And they're like, we don't have anything. I got this is a little bit of money. What is that among so many? And Jesus asked him because he knew what he was going to do. And then what, Philip says, I, I got five crackers and two sardines. And they brought them to him and Jesus did what? He blessed him. He didn't just pray over it. He blessed it. And then he blessed it. And then he told the disciples they became ushers. Seriously. He said, go sit them down in 50s and 100s. The Lord, a lot of times when he does stuff, it's very orderly. Chaos does not mean God. Chaos is usually of the devil. If you like people around chaos, you hang out around them, you listen to them. I don't like chaos because I know God doesn't like chaos. He's not chaotic. He's very matter of fact. And so he said, have them sit in 50s and 100s. And then as then Jesus, uh, he blessed it, and then he gave it to each disciple who must have been to assigned to certain 50s and 100s. And as they took it, it multiplied. How cool to have been a disciple or an usher that day and watch those, those five sardines or five crackers and two sardines keep multiplying. And then they multiplied so much that there was like 12 baskets left over. That's one thing. I, I talked to you about how many remember Jesus' first miracle. I want to show you that helps ministry and you and I are many times involved in the miracle. So it, and sometimes it is all God, but many times God includes you. So you want to see miracles around here? Then get, then, then get to helping. That was weak. You want to see miracles around here? Then all of us bringing our supply of the Spirit make a big difference. Are you with me? 
Mama Mary's there. I believe she senses the presence of the Holy Ghost. She talks to Jesus. She said, they're out of wine. He says, I like King James in this one, woman. Mother. It's not my time. And then she said to the disciples, what? Whatever he says. Now listen, a key to miracles in your personal life and a key to walking with God is being a doer of the word. Not just the written word, but as Pastor Robert was talking about, what the Holy Ghost speaks to your heart. You want to see a miracle in your life? You want to see a miracle in your finances? Just do what he says. Don't ignore what he says. Don't pretend you don't know what he said. That's dangerous to pretend he didn't talk to you. Because you say, well, I don't want to tell him no. But so you can't just ignore him, and, but he still talked to you. So you got to do what he says. Everybody say, just do it. And so what did he say? Here's some, I love this. He got those, um, the Jewish hand cleansing thing. Oh, come on. That must have made a religious person mad if they saw that. You're messing with our hand. The church of the first hand washers. Because remember, that was big to them. It wasn't even the word of God. That was big to them, though. Got to have everything clean. It was pure L on overload. Hallelujah. And, and so he said, fill them up to the brim. So what did they do? How, how did this miracle happen? Would it have happened if they, if they didn't do what Jesus said? No. Sometimes you're waiting on God and he's waiting on you to follow the instructions. And sometimes your instructions are not for your miracle. It's for somebody else's miracle. You're involved. And so again, what do he say? Fill it to the... I'm showing you, people want to see miracles, but helps and all of us adding our supply and everybody doing what they're supposed to do really brings the fullness of the glory of God, brings the fullness of the power of God. Don't let anyone or anything ever get you out of your place. Even if you're honked and mad and frustrated, don't you let anybody ever pull you out of your place. Don't ever get out of your place except by leading of the Holy Ghost. And if he leads you out, he'll lead you in somewhere else. Don't ever get out because you're offended. That means you were led by the devil. I'm leaving because I'm mad. Well, the devil won. He got you in the hook of your, he put a hook in your nose and drug you out. Don't let anything pull you out of your place. Let God lead you out of something. But he'll always lead you into something else. Because he's not into idle. You know, he, he's sitting at the right hand of God, and he's still doing stuff. Yeah, people think he's just up there doing nothing. No, he's the high priest. He's the high priest of our confession. He's the high priest over the tithe. He's doing stuff. He's ever living to make intercession. He's having a prayer meeting all the time. Aren't you grateful? Hallelujah. If he's still working and all the works that he did on the earth and he sat down, then it's good for us to do our part. Are you doing your part? Hallelujah. Anyway, so uh, glory to God. So what happened? They bear the water to the governor of the feast or to the leader. And what? He said, it's the best wine. You saved the best for last. And then you can look at other things. We looked at Aaron and her just reviewing real quick. Not going to spend a lot of time today. But remember, uh, there was a, the Amal Amalekites came up 
And the Lord obviously instructed Moses because he was dealing with him about the rod and staff. He had just struck it and water had come out. Remember the same thing that happened for them to cross the, uh, across the flood and they went over on dry land. And so now we got the staff held out and as long as it was up, what happened? As long as Moses had his, his, the staff up, as long as he had the rod up, what happened? They went. They were prevailing. Right? And then it must have been a while. I don't know how many of you have ever had something in your hand. You know, maybe in just a five-pound weight you had in your hand. In just a little while. He's trying. but And just his, uh, got tired. The leader got tired. The leader got tired. He was doing it all on his own. He was obeying. Listen to me. He was obeying God. But naturally he got tired. And as he naturally got tired because he was doing it all on his own, he dropped it, and what happened? The enemy began to prevail. Well, Aaron and her were standing up there. They must have helped him up to the mountain. But what did they do? They found him a rock to sit on. This is the same type as Jesus is the rock that Moses struck and the water came out. So come on, Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus is that rock. And when you sit, rest, relax on him, you're going to win. Your faith has to be at rest in him. So they sat him on a rock, and then what they do? They must have. Then they both took a side, and they began to hold up, hold up his hands. And as long as they, So God didn't speak to Aaron and her. They were just helpers. They didn't personally, God didn't personally say to them, you know, hold up the rod. But they were there to hold up Moses' hand. And when they did that, how many of you know Joshua 1? So it wasn't just God, it wasn't just Moses, it wasn't just Joshua, it was Aaron and her who were in helps ministry. And the Lord gave us their names, sometimes he doesn't give everybody's names, but he wanted you to see that they were just as important as Moses. If Aaron and her had not lifted up the leader's hand, then Joshua would have lost. Well, no, God would have, no, it's the way God ordained it, and so he needed everybody involved. Can you see that? Do you believe that? Well, I just believe God's God. Yeah, I believe God's God too, but he's put some things in the word for us to know how he works on the earth, and you're important. Now, we've been talking to you all these three weeks about these things. I want to get to this because um, the Lord wanted you to know he's so good that if you do, this is the deal. When our when we're in our mother's womb, before doing right or wrong, God ordained a path for us. How many know it's a good path? And it's our discovery, not our decision. So when we discover, when we get in Christ and we discover who we are, we begin to walk that path. How many know it's God's path? God decided who you're going to be. Now it's God's path. And it's God's path. And if you'll do God's path, even if something comes in the way, you can get it out of the way because God's path is light. And it's a good path, right? How many of you know if you obey him, he'll do exceeding abundantly above all you could ever ask or think? And so he wanted, and how many of you know, uh, he came to give us the good life. So his path for us is the good life. Everybody say the good life. Does he want you an exceeding abundant good life? Yeah, it's on his path though. And so God gave you the plan. God made the path. God gave you the grace, the help of the Holy Ghost. So it's not your giftings. It's not your power. This is all God. My part is to obey. My part is to discover. My part is to believe, have faith, 
and what he said to me. My part is to believe in the grace that's on my life. You say, well, you're a preacher. You need that. No, whatever you're called to do, you've got grace to do it. Listen, when I first came to the kingdom of God, I was an accountant before Jesus and I was an accountant after Jesus. The accountant after Jesus was much smarter than the one before Jesus. Why was that? Because the Lord told me things. He made me look like a genius. I was discovering problems that I could have never figured out before because I had, I would ask the Lord. One time I was working uh, in, at Wisher Memorial in Indianapolis and I know that um, I did something because uh, computers and me still have issues, but I know I did something where I lost two or three months worth of work and I was worried about it and the Holy Ghost said, ask me. Ask the, ask the Lord, ask him to restore it, to salvage it. So, man, with all the faith I could muster, because I was, I was just a child in Jesus, I said, well, Lord, all right, you prompted me. I believe it's restored. And so I got there, and it was, I, it was there, and I asked someone with, I was like, I did this, and I did this. Oh, no, you'll lose that every time. It's gone forever. And it wasn't gone forever. So I, I don't believe that. I don't care if you believe it or not. It happened. The Lord cares about everything you do. And he will make you look like a genius on your job. If you do everything unto him. And in serving him, though, I just want to, want to get to, there are definite. I mean, this, it's all him. And then he wants to reward you anyway. <laughs> no, no. It was his plan, his road. His power, his ability, all you did was believe. And he wants to reward you for that. No, no, he wants to reward you for that. That doesn't even seem fair or right. It was all on him. He should reward himself. But he wants to reward you. There's something about he loves obedience. He loves sacrifice. He loves you doing things that others aren't willing to do. Let me remind you of some. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 37, and we're going to look at verse 41. We'll do King James. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease. This is what I want. Did I give you the right scripture? It's a good one. Let me make sure. I got home late last night and was writing some of these things down. So, no, Matthew's not the right one. Is it Mark that I really want? Da, 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 da. Yeah, you're right. It's Mark. Thank you. Who's ever up there, you're doing great. He sat down and called 12 and said to them, If any man desires to be first, the same shall be what? And a servant of all. We looked at that. Verse 36. And he took a child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said unto them, Whoever shall receive one such children in my name. Now, I don't believe he's just limiting this to children, but... In most cultures, children should be seen and not heard. And 
they were just not important. But he said, if you receive a child in my name, you receive me. Remember he said to us, uh, you know, when you visit those that are in prison, when you feed the hungry, when you clothe the naked, you've done it unto me. Same thing. And whoever shall receive one of these in my name receives me, uh, not only receives me, but him that sent me. And there was verse 41. And whoever shall give you a cup of water, a drink in my name, because you belong to Christ, verily I said to you, he shall not lose his what? Reward. So even the natural things you do. So whoever gave out, um, what are those little fishy, chatter-like things? Goldfish. Whoever gave a child a goldfish today, it's just a goldfish to keep them happy until you come pick them up. No, that is giving something to a child in the name of the Lord, and there's a reward with it. There are some people back there that changed a diaper that wasn't what they produced. There's a reward in that. There is somebody, rain or shine, that gets you into the right parking place and happily gets you into the building. There's a reward for that. There is somebody, you were running a little late today and you still wanted to sit up front. They found you a seat where you could see not the back of people's heads, but you could see what was going on because that's the way you like it. There's a reward for that. There's somebody, I paid them, but still, there's somebody who painstakingly makes V's up here on this black carpet, and it don't even last for very long, but there's a reward for that. There are rewards. There's somebody up here who came to practice on Monday when they would have rather stayed home and watched Netflix. There's a reward for that. There's a reward. Turn your neighbor and say, there's a reward. But if you're not doing nothing, there is no reward. Hebrews 6.10. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and you do minister. God's never going to forget when you minister to a saint in his name. When you minister to somebody, when you sacrificially help somebody, not just money, money's great, and do that. But when you help someone, when you're there for someone, when you do something to bless someone, you, the Lord will not forget it. And there's a reward for that. Everybody say, there's a reward for that. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved children, be steadfast, unmovable. Why did he tell you to be steadfast and unmovable? The devil's always trying to get you out of your place and out of your grace because it doesn't just affect you at church. It affects you in your life. They're tied together. I'm not going to be really quiet about this anymore. I've always kind of tiptoed around this. But listen to me. If you're having a lot of trouble in your work life and home life, I'm going to tie it back to your serving life. Because the devil, come on, have y'all been doing this any time? Now, there are times, listen to me very clearly, everybody in the room, there's no guilt, no, no condemnation. I'm not trying to throw you under a bus. I'm not trying to guilt you into anything. I don't want you do, guilty doing this, nothing around here. I don't want you doing nothing because Pastor Mark says I got to. No, Pastor Mark don't say nothing. Either the word says it or it don't. You either obey the Holy Ghost or you don't. This is not about me. This is about you and him. Serious as I can be. Maybe years ago, not, but now, serious as I can be. Listen to me. It is important 
that you do what, because come on, some of you have been doing this a while. First thing, that, when, when, the, when, when the pile on, when the mountain ranges begin to develop, because most of you are past one mountain. One mountain, you just speak to it, it moves. Most of you now, because you've been doing this a while, he doesn't just send a mountain to you, he'll send a range. Or the pile on. I was just helping some ministers up in Illinois. They've been going through a lot of stuff. I mean, it's the pile on. But we just stood with them and took our authority, and we commanded it to cease and desist. Because it's not one thing. But listen to me. The first thing the devil will tell you to do is you need to back off of till you get it together, till everything. Because I only serve God when everything's all right. I only serve God when I have extra time. I only serve God when it feels good. I only serve God when I get cookies. The, the oatmeal raisin ones I've heard are really good. Uh, Sabrina can throw down some cookies. Hallelujah. No, we want to do that to honor you. The Lord told me to. But that's not true. How many of you know you don't want just a cookie? You want a crown. But one of the first things I've watched, I've, y'all, I've done this for a long time. Done this a long time. Why? Well, I've been tempted myself. Been tempted myself. You know, symptoms show up in my body too. But I can count on one hand. And that one hand includes something I had to do because the government was making me do. I I don't put up with that. You're not going to keep me out of my place. And he's tried. Y'all think I, you know, I was going to say, you think I have a company of angels around me. And I was like, yeah, I do. Hallelujah. But, you know, I have never had one feed me any bread or anything, you know. I deal just like you deal. I want to quit just like you want to quit. I want to not do. I want everybody to wait on me like you want everybody to wait on you. Only I don't allow it. We don't allow it. And there's a purpose to it. If anyone's been around here a long time, you know there's a purpose to it. I don't like error. I don't like extreme. And what an extreme does, it always pulls sensible people out of their place. They get disgusted with it. Come on, y'all. But that does not excuse every one of you in this room for doing what God has called you to do. Whether it's in the church or out of the church, there is something for you to do. And never pull away from it. Don't let offense take you out of it. Don't let nobody pats me on the head every day take you out of it. Come on, I'm talking grown-up stuff in here in this room this morning. Well, I've been hurt by church. <laughs> Who? Church. Well, Jesus is not, he's the church, but Jesus never hurt you. He can't. Well, he allowed people. He didn't. They were boneheads. They're knuckleheads. Idiots. You're going to let an idiot, a knucklehead, and a bonehead keep you out of the will of God? Even if I was the knucklehead. Come on, y'all. It's time to, I'm ready for the glory. 
I was doing my daily bread, and the Holy Ghost gave me something. I was like, so I don't know when, it, I think it maybe it's next week, it's for next week or this, I don't remember what it was. But it, it kind of revolutionized me. There's something about everybody serving and the glory of God that I've been looking forward to that I didn't even know was so intertwined and connected. Come on, he's coming back for a glorious church. And I believe everybody's serving. All right, I got to hurry. Hallelujah. We're going to do communion today. Uh, my email to JC didn't go through, so we're going to have to hurry in a little bit. So everybody stick with me. Hallelujah. We got to get to this. Colossians 3, 23 and 24. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord. So whatever you do, here or there, whether you take something that's that on the chair in front of you and you fill that out, but whatever you do, everybody say, I'm doing something. And whatever you do, what? Do it to who? To the, to the Lord. So you're not doing it for me. You're not doing it for a church. You're doing it unto the Lord. You're not doing it for me. You're not doing it for a church. You're doing it unto the Lord. I'm not doing it for men. So if a man never says thank you, I don't care. I'm doing it for the Lord. I appreciate when you all say, oh, that was a great sermon and it blessed me. Uh, but, but listen to me. Everything I do, I try to, I, I work really hard to do it under the Lord. Because you could cheer me one day and jeer me the next. People can praise you one day and be nasty to you the next. But Jesus is always going to be good to you in the morning, in the noontime, and in the nighttime, and he's going to tell you the truth, and he's going to, he's going to, but he's always going to help you, and he's always going to strengthen you. And Everything you do, do unto the Lord, not unto men. Hallelujah, verse 24. Knowing that of the Lord you'll receive a reward. A reward. The reward of your inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Ephesians 6, 7 says, with, with goodwill doing service unto the Lord, not unto men. Remember the, the, the talents. One of the things Jesus said to them, or in that parable, he said to them, uh, to the one, five and the two that got ten and four, he said what? He said, well done, good and faithful servant. Right? Well done, good and faithful servant. He said, you've been ruler over, Matthew, I think it's 5, 21. Uh, he said, um, You've been ruler, uh, I've given you a few things, but now I'm going to make you ruler over many things. So faithfulness has a big thing to do with God. How many know it's required of a steward that you be found faithful? So you've got to be faithful over something. It's required. Not just money. Pastor Robert's been doing a great job teaching you about faithfulness and stewardship. But it's not just over money. He, those other two he's talking about, your time and your talent. Be faithful over them. Well, you know, I've already done my serving. What? Let's see. My serving is done. I've put in my time. First imaginations. <laughs> Chapter 3 of Hope I'm Right. Not going to find it. There's no retiring in Jesus. There's a reward. I've been talking to you about this one. Romans 14 talks about we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.10. You can look at that. 2 Corinthians 5.10. We must all appear. Everybody say, I will appear. I will appear. Where? 
to the judgment seat of Christ. Not the great white throne judgment. You're getting judged with Jesus on that one, and everything's cool. Because you belong to him, straight to heaven, hallelujah. Those at the white throne judgment, you either get judged with Jesus or the devil. Depends on what family you're in. I'm in the family of God. But there's another one that everybody who's born again must appear. That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. At the judgment seat, are you going to have some silver and gold? Or are you going to have some hay, wood, and stubble? And there, you can find many places. Uh, at the judgment seat, 2 Timothy 4.8. 2 Timothy 4, 8, henceforth laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge. So where's this crown at? It's at the judgment seat. I keep telling you all this. I believe we're going to be so surprised at who needs angelic help to carry away their crowns. All the big names. You know what? If they're a big name, it's just because they obeyed. God did that. That doesn't mean they got 40,000 crowns. But someone who God has assigned to pray uh, a heart, a lung, a part of the body of Christ that he bestows more honor on. I believe that's here and there. So somebody who you may not know, who prayed for somebody every day, who obeyed God every day, who rocked a baby every year for 40 years, Spoke life over them, laid hands on them, uh, spoke, saw things to come and prayed against it. Kept the word going over them. And they ended up being somebody, they invented something. They, they were a senator, they were, a, they, were a, they invented something. They were a CEO or a CFO or the best chef in town with the best restaurant in town. They had something to do with it. There's big rewards for that. Why are those rewards? You get to lay them at Jesus' feet. Listen, I told you, if you were here last week, I was going to fertilize you. Because remember, the, the, the master came back for the fig tree. And you know Jesus don't like if there's no figs on a fig tree. Figs must be his favorite thing or something. I don't know. But he has a problem with fruitless fig trees. One of them he cursed. And this one was in an account. But it was an account of the master. It was an account of the fig tree, which is you all. And then there was an account of the gardener, which is me. And the gardener, not the fig tree, dealt with the master and said, give us one more year. And I'm going to take care of it. And I'm going to fertilize it. And when you come back next year, there's going to be figs. I believe there was figs on it because there was no tearing down of the tree. And there's going to be some fruit on you. Are you ready for some fruit? What is the fruit for? Usually fruit is for somebody else. This is my prayer for you. And then I felt like the Holy Ghost said, seal it with communion. Seal it with the Lord's table today. So we're going to have to take a little extra time. I don't want to hurry, but 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 9 through 10. Got the wrong one there too. That's what happens when you prepare your sermons late, when you drive one day. Let me just give this to you. 
Colossians chapter 1. There we go. For this cause also, since we do not, since the day we cease to have heard it, do not cease to pray for you. This is my prayer for you. And desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of what? People all the time, what's my purpose? Why am I here? What am I supposed to do with my life? You as a born again, your life is tied up together. What you do on Monday is tied with what you do on Sunday. Because you don't have two different lives. That you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Verse 10. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. And increasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. These are my prayer for you. Where also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of your calling. And fulfill all his good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. Verse 12. That the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. They will see your, they, the heathen will see your good works and glorify God. And you in him, according to the grace. That grace there is not saving grace, that's serving grace. Because it's talking about, in verse 11, it's talking, about, it's talking about serving God. According to his grace of God, our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray for you today, and I, and I mean this with all my heart. The time is short. The hour is short. We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The Lord wants to get you some rewards. And your war, rewards aren't just you getting an attaboy here or there, but your rewards could affect your business. Your awards could, uh, reward could affect your career. You could get a promotion uh, way above what your education allows, what everybody else is getting, because you are serving the Lord your God. Favor surrounds you like a shield as you obey God every day. Whether it's inside of this church or outside of this church, you're obeying God. The grace, the serving gift on the inside of you is ministering to other people. It's blessing other people. You're walking in the minister of reconciliation that you are. A word of reconciliation. A word in due season comes to you. And then God wants to reward you. It's all him anyway, but he still wants to reward you. What a plan. He told me to seal it today with the Lord's table. I'm going to change subjects next week probably. And, but, so normally you get communion coming in. My email, I was in, I was in the cornfields. My email didn't get through. Uh, it was in the draft box. Hallelujah. Uh, it never went through. So uh, everybody... Uh, I want you to participate. I guess you're going to pass buckets. So everybody just, the ushers are going to, uh, if you may not be a member of this church, but as long as everything's right between you and Jesus, you can take communion with us. As soon as you receive your communion, if you'll stand to your feet, that way I'll know who's been served. Again, you don't have to be a member of the church as long as you're born again and everything's right between you and the Lord, then you're good to go. Hallelujah. So as soon as you get your communion, stay seated until you get your communion. And then when you stand up, as you have your communion and we know that you're ready to, to go. Hallelujah. Father, we magnify you. 
We thank you for the blood of Jesus. You've been faithful to us. And so, Lord, you've just given us um, over these four weeks um, who we are. And we're here to serve you. We're here to minister to you. And we love you so much. And we're grateful for the opportunity that we have today to make a, a, a commitment to you that we're going to find out who we are. We're going to find out what our grace is. And we're going to use it for your glory. And we're going to use it for your honor. We magnify you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord Jesus. You are good and your mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. You've been faithful to us and we want to be faithful to you. We magnify you. We love you. We honor you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Stephen, I need one or doctor or somebody. Hallelujah. Sir. So you know how it works. Grab your cracker first. Go ahead. After you do that, take the top off. But just hold on just a second. You know what this represents? The cracker represents the body. The cup represents the blood. But I was reminded, it says, Lord, why do you want to do this? He said, remind them of the first Passover. They were getting ready to go on a journey. And he said, I want you to tell them it's time for the journey of their life. Listen, y'all, I've heard from God. It's time for the journey of your life. And these messages aren't to get you to do something. These messages are to get you to obey God. Because time is short, and yet he has some rewards for you here and now and later. But he needs you to be in the position that he's called you to and the grace on your life to do it. Well, I'm too busy. You're not. Everybody's called to do something. You've got to find out what it is. And, you know, a lot of times people retire just when they're useful. You know, I've been in the ministry a long time now. I'm figuring out, I've just now learned a couple things. I can be useful. He told them, put, their, put your shoes on. Get a staff in your hand. And after you, take the, after you eat the Passover. And then this is the deal. He said to me, he said, then look over there. What did I do for them? He said, I provided for them. They spoiled the Egyptians. God stole. No, Joseph was the only reason that anybody had any money. That was stored up for them. But he told me to say this. He said, Goshen was no longer an alternative. Because remember, they're all protected in Goshen. God's saying, he said, everybody needs to go on this journey. You can't stay behind. Remember they wanted to go back? Goshen was no longer an alternative. And in the hour we live in, come on, it's time to go on a journey with God. God's journeys are fun. Come on, even if you've been on the sideline, even if you've been hurt, even if you're waiting on something, I, I, I encourage you, ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? If it's just baked cookies for your neighbor, if it's, if it's at work every day, you're supposed to bring somebody some coffee and tell them Jesus loves them. 
Serve somebody. Serve some. It'll make everybody scratch their head. What's up? People don't get served today. I know. But we do. We serve. Because our example is Jesus. Get your staff in your hand. Get your shoes on your feet. We're going on a journey. And I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to provide for you, the Lord says. And so this go to, mm-mm-mm. Ha, ha, ha. There's something tied up with your serving grace that will also help you in the things and the affairs of your life, in your business, in your career. Do everything you do. Because, man, what does it train you? Because, you know, sometimes people aren't grateful for what you do. But if you just you don't only care about what the Lord says, then you're fine. And in, in your secular life, and out there, in, in, in the business place, in the marketplace, you don't have to get accolades from anybody as long as you know Jesus is pleased. And his favor will surround you like a shield, and you'll be blessed coming in. You'll be blessed going out. You'll be the head and not the tail. Hallelujah. You'll be above and not beneath. Come on. It all works together. Remember, Jesus paid a high price. And if I have a little sacrifice to make, I'm willing to do it. Father, we thank you for this bread that represents the broken body of Jesus. As we eat it, we believe by the stripes of Jesus we are healed. We're so grateful that we have peace with God, with you, Father, and we have the peace of God in our life. And we take this bread and we eat it. We thank you for this cup that represents the blood of Jesus. I thank you the blood of Jesus purges our conscience from dead works. And I thank you, Lord, this blood protects us, and we're grateful. This blood gives us access, and this blood has cleansed us. Thank you for this cup in Jesus' name. Amen.